Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, July the 1st in 2021 on When I Rise. Today is my father-in-law Mark's birthday. Happy birthday, Mark, and thanks for tuning in each morning to When I Rise. Well, for today, we are in year B, proper week nine, which is the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. And on Thursdays of the week, we'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage that lands in the Revised Common Lectionary. And today we're back in the Corinthian letters. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 10. A very interesting passage, one that people push and pull and have a tug of war over. So let me read it, provide a couple points for reflection, and then spend our time praying along a theme that we find there. Thanks for making this party a morning I win our eyes. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 10. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that. But I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of God for us. Surely you've had somebody come up to you and they ask you a question on behalf of, like, quote, a friend of mine, right? When, and it kind of dawns on us along the way, uh, this person's really talking about themselves and not like a friend of theirs. It seems like this is what's going on with Paul. So what's going on here? So Paul is trying to woo this church back to connection with him, relationship with him. He helped start it and establish it. He helped empower it. And he's been corresponding with it to try to convince it uh, to follow the way uh, and the path that he has been trying to steer churches uh, all, all over the Roman world. And so there's a sense that the Corinthian church is beginning to lose hope in Paul. It's because along the way, we read from the context that, quote, super apostles have come among them and claim to be uh, more authoritative, more dynamic than Paul. And so Paul's got this chance to try to win them back and he wants to appeal to them. And so he does want to appeal to them with all of his great exploits, like the positive things of his CV, but he wants to go with his weaknesses. But he, he does so in a roundabout way. So he tries to develop his street cred and at a slant in order to also talk about his weaknesses. So in order to convey to the Corinthian church that even though he's got plenty of valid experience and plenty of, quote, letters of recommendations from God and others, 
he decides to show how he's been pouring out his life and to instead dwell on his weakness so that God is shines through him and not the things that have been spectacular about his ministry. And so he talks about this man being caught up to the third heaven. So what's going on here? Well, if we look at ancient literature, they assume that there were several either levels of heaven or places in heaven, even Jewish literature. Some of that we've been able to collect, like hypothesizes that there's like three to like 365 quote heavens out there. And so when Paul says that he or this man, that he it really is him, was caught up to the third heaven. He's saying, I went as high as humanly possible in a meditative state and I met with God. And God told me things there, like he whispered it in my ear and he says, you need to keep these things to yourself. They're inexpressible things. He mentions this a couple of different times. And so Paul says, I could tell you about that. I could tell you the depth of that. It would blow your mind. You would be impressed. Uh, you would cancel all of your subscriptions to these other quote, super apostles. And you would line up behind me in my teaching if I told you what I heard and how I heard it and what its significance is. But instead, he chooses to boast in his weaknesses. And he says that he was given a thorn in the flesh to keep him from being conceited. So what is a thorn in the flesh? Some people assume that it's a physical ailment. Um, I don't suppose that it is. I suppose that it is actually uh, some of this harassment that he's been getting throughout his whole ministry people who encumber his process, who malign him, who misunderstand him, who mistreat him and misrepresent him to other Christian communities, who spread all sorts of baby mama drama about him, which prevents him from continuing to do his ministry in full strength. And this seems to make sense. I mean, he was taking up to a third heaven and was giving a message, a special message by messenger. It would seem that he would use that to talk about his, quote, thorn in the flesh being these false messengers that uh, are preventing him from getting his own word out. But meditate on what he says here. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul, he's making a wager about his life. He says, in order for Christ to be magnified in our life, we don't just have to speak about the times that we, quote, crush it, right? We don't. Like, even though that's the American way to talk about how we crush it in our sanitized, perfect piety that we have before God, Paul says, I'm, I'm going to make a wager that the gospel of Christ is, is born upon people because of the brilliant things that God does through human being and also through the honest and sincere confession of faults that people have within the kingdom. So I think that's what's going on in the service here. I think another thing too, I want to make a statement that I think I heard from N.T. Wright. I think it's important. It's been, when I heard it in one of his teachings, I, it really continues to speak to me. He says, the Christian religion is not primarily a religion of revelation, but it's primarily a religion of of redemption. So this is what he means by that. There were other religious options during the ministry of the Apostle Paul that were focused on revelation. One was called Gnosticism. They said that there's a secret knowledge veiled underneath and undercover that God or the gods or whatever, they only give to a special few people who try the hardest 
and who can uncover it with their spotless devotion to their religion. Okay, so that was Gnosticism. And that's a so that's a, a religion of revelation, of wisdom or of knowledge that no one else seems to have. Okay. Now there's no doubt that the Christian religion has revelation. Paul prays that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be given to the people of God. However, the church is not those who pursue secret revelation. We don't pursue secret knowledge. We don't look for the juicy gossip. We don't claim to have the thing that is so unique and so unintelligible unless you've been through the experiences that we have. That's not our religion. The basis of our religion is redemption, that God takes sinners and he makes us into his friends and saints. Now, revelation is sprinkled on top of that. We do get revelation from time to time, but primarily Christianity is about redemption. So here's why. It is staggering the amount of folks who are being swept away in modern culture about uh, conspiracy theories, this hidden wisdom that no one else seems to know, these coded messages that are sent out and that are in headlines and papers and stuff. It is amazingly scary how many people are swept away into this. That is as anti-Christian as it comes because it doesn't create transformation and change and redemption. Christianity at its basis is redemption. That's why Paul says, I could talk about the third heaven thing, but I'm going to talk about this thorn in my flesh because I can become conceited about this revelation that I received. And instead of talking about the brilliant things about my life, I want to talk about my weaknesses, the times that I've been insulted, the hardships that I have to endure, the persecutions that are always waiting for me, because I am weak, and only when I confess that I am weak is that I can become strong, because God's grace is given to me. So what does Paul say? Christianity is about redemption. It's not primarily about revelation. And so we have to think about my posture before God is, God, please come change me and not, God, please give me a word that no one else knows so that I can have somehow boast in it. No, that's not what it is. Primarily the Christian religion is about God. Transform me to be more and more like your son. So with that theme in mind, let's spend some time praying this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we confess today that we need you. Uh, We want to believe like the Apostle Paul that in our weakness, power is perfected, that when we are weak, we can actually be strong, that we don't have to boast about the brilliant things about who we are. We can enjoy them and we can see them as a gift, but we don't have to boast about them. We don't have to lead with that because of some deep insecurity that we have. We think that the gospel of Christ is... um, is a message that reaches out to those who understand and know that we do not measure up, that we cannot try harder and get further with our performance. And so God, this day, reveal to us the gospel of grace once more. Reveal to us once more that your plan for our lives is to redeem, not just to reveal things to us. And so God, we confess that we have chased uh, the sirens of secret knowledge, uh, some, thinking that somehow it is going to help us to get ahead. And so, Lord, we forsake those idols and we embrace Christ once more. And we pray that as you invade our lives, that we will believe that we are being redeemed, that we're being restored, that we're being healed, that we were being strengthened. As we lean upon you, we can find our strength. And so God, I pray for any of my brothers and sisters who feel particularly weak and lost and bewildered and confused today. 
I pray that in their weakness, in all of our weakness, your power would be perfected and that there would be a confidence, that there would be a rest for every weary soul today. So God be with us. Continue to transform us. Make us more like Jesus, the most brilliant one, our highest good that we could ever seek to to find. And I pray that we become more like him today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.